Welcome to Money Tips by Charles Kelly, author of Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. Charles spent over 25 years in financial services, working for banks, insurance companies, and as a qualified independent financial advisor running his practice before setting up his speaking, consultancy, and property business. Money Tips will help you save, make, and accumulate more money, whether you are a business owner, entrepreneur, employee, or still searching for your vocation. Hello and welcome to Charles Kelly Money Tips. Good to see you again. Uh, hi to everyone on Facebook Live and thanks for, for tuning in and you know li- taking part and, and your comments and everything. So th- thanks for that. Great to see you all. And thank you for my podcast listeners who tune in uh, via iTunes and Stitcher and th- through my website, moneytipsdaily.com. Uh, today, you've probably heard if you're in the UK that uh, another chain of shops, this time Mothercare, uh, is in trouble and it looks like they've gone into administration which means they're not quite bust but they, they can't meet their their commitments their debt repayments or whatever it is so the administrators have taken over and that means that their their business is ring fenced for the time being until it's either sold off broken up or, or whatever um, but the landlords will be taking a hit now because they will not be getting their rent and there are about 79 stores up and down the country that um, where the landlords will not get their money. Now you might say, well, you know, so what? But that landlord could be your pension fund. It could be your insurance company that is paying out on your policy. So it, it has a, an effect on all of us one way or another. It could be a council. It could be your local authority. Uh, but Mothercare, you know, once they had, I think it was like 400 stores all over the country, they were uh, a, a magnificent business in their in their heyday. They were the, they're a unique type of business. They started up this business, I, I think, going back to the 70s, late 60s, and they were just everywhere. But in recent years, they've gone out of favour. They, they they perhaps have not renewed themselves. They've not kept up to date. They're falling behind with the competition. And this is what can happen to, to businesses after many years of trading successfully. They can just go into this gradual decline. And we've seen that happen with some of the department stores. Um, now, they'll, that's not just Mothercare, of course. I mean, it will be the 36th chain to fall this year. 36 chains of stores not just little stores and i believe up until june of this year there were something like 2800 stores uh, or shops and stores that are closed down in the uk alone and i think the same thing's happening in other countries as well it's not just here um and you know 1600 stores uh, 42000 staff have been affected by the, these these large stores closing down so it's it's a big employer the, the retail sector and, and you know we know that uh the amazon effect and the, the online shopping effect is is having uh, a, a devastating effect on on the on the high street and of course if we continue to ignore the shops or we continue to just go in there and sort of look at stuff and say well i can buy that two pound cheaper and wait for three days for it right going on amazon well then yeah th- these stores are, are not going to be there so as i said in a previous episode you either lo- use them or lose them and once you lose them that's probably it forever but i think with with um mother care it probably goes a bit deeper than just amazon it's more of a decline in the store and the management and everything it's just perhaps uh, badly run uh, so we we have to see see how that develops but i i would suggest you've got to use the store or, or lose them and so you know there's a lot of uncertainty and, and i think this is creating uncertainty in the business community however the stock market seems to be ignoring this and they're just going up and you know it's all uh business as usual with the stock market 
but I, I don't see how that can be the case. I mean, the US stock market, I think, reached record levels the other day. And how can this be when there's so much uncertainty in the world? There's still the China-Trump trade war. Um, that There's lots of countries are, are, are looking at, you know, huge demonstrations as people revolt in the Middle East, in Hong Kong and in other countries where there's there's just a lot of uncertainty and there's still the the underlying problems that were created from from the the last financial crash that have not been sorted out yet and and yet the markets just seem to go up and up and up and everyone seems to just carry on and, and you know you got these stockbrokers like Charles Schwab one of the the big stockbrokers in in America saying uh, markets go up and down but you should just sit there through throughout the the storms and you shouldn't just sell when prices go down he even says he said something like, I would like to tie investors to a chair to stop them selling. Um, so so they're happy because the, the stockbrokers, of course, get paid uh, whether you make money or not. They're getting paid on the trading, on the, the fund charges and that sort of thing. Um, and these fund managers and stockbrokers get paid anyway, whether you win or lose. Uh, so I, I, I think it for me, it's not a great time to go into investing in the stock market even property prices are, are are still high, even though they've dropped in the last couple of years. There's still a lot of uncertainty in the property market as well. Uh, so yeah, I, I'd just be careful and cautious about what happens over the over the next few months and, and, and wait and see. Obviously, if you find bargains in the market, you find a bargain company that's worth buying, go, go ahead. But you've really got to know what you're doing in this market. We can't just assume that, you know, you buy a share and it just goes up and up or continues to pay those dividends. Meanwhile, McDonald's seem to be seem to be doing okay, but their share price has dropped due to this uncertainty with its chief executive, who has been uh, Mr. Easterbrook, who is a Watford-born guy who worked his way up from the shop floor, from working in a store, to the chief executive of the whole of McDonald's, which is remarkable. I know that they do promote from within, but you know you wouldn't expect that a guy could go from a shop floor manager on minimum wage or shop floor worker on minimum wage up to twelve million a year. Uh, as a chief executive of the company, but he has fallen foul of the company's non-fraternization policy. That's a good American term, non-fraternization, uh, where he's got involved with a, a lady from the, the business and, and they've got rid of him. So he, he's out, but he, I think he's going to get quite a big severance package of millions, maybe 21 million, they, the papers are saying. But did you know that it's 79 years since McDonald first opened? Uh, they've got 38,000 restaurants around the world. And they employ uh, 120,000 people in the UK alone and 1 million around the world. So so UK is quite a significant part of, of their business, which which surprised me, actually. I, I thought there were much, you know, it was more America. But, you know, you go around the world, you, you can all see a McDonald's. There's even a, a formula for working out um, the economy by basing it on the price of a Big Mac and the hourly rate of the worker that makes the Big Mac. And how many hours a worker on minimum wage in that country has to work before they can afford a Big Mac? Now, in poorer countries, you might have to work two or three hours uh, on, on the wage there. Like like the Philippines, you might have to work three hours on, on the minimum wage there to buy a Big Mac. Uh, whereas in the UK, of course, you know, I don't know what a Big Mac costs, but, you know, with a minimum wage nearing nine, ten pounds, you know, you can easily afford two, back, two Big Macs, you know, for that. So it, it's just interesting to, to see, and that's just one you know, economic formula of the Big Mac formula. But 
you know, this company actually makes uh, sells have sold 400 billion burgers. 60 million customers are served uh, every day uh, in in the world. So, so it's a fantastic uh, company. Uh, and 93% of the restaurants are, of course, franchises. So a lot of them are small businesses, but they work very much to a system. And, you know, if you want to study franchises, then study the, the Ray Kroc system of, of franchising that, that, that's worked so brilliantly well. Um, and, of course, Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway is a big investor in companies like McDonald's and uh, Coca-Cola, uh, you know, and, and they're, they're, they're kind of linked in their, in their business partnerships. So it, it's considered a staple, to use the word, a staple diet of the investment world, McDonald's. Um, but anyway, uh, he, he's out now, Mr. Easterbrook. He's been there 25 years um, and, and he earns 12 million a year running the company. So in, in the UK, they serve three and a half million customers every day, McDonald's. So, that, so they're doing quite well. Um, I'm not saying I'm a great fan of, of McDonald's, but, you know, they're always there. When, when you go there, you know what to expect and you've got the drive-in and all that sort of thing. So uh, that, that's great. And it's, it's interesting restaurants, when you go into restaurants and, and they say, would you like extra this? Would you like that extra topping? Would you like, and you think, well, you know, why are they bothering with these small extra toppings? You know, and, and you sometimes say to yourself, well, is it, does it really make much difference, uh, th- these extra bits and pieces? Well, there's a story in the paper today that Ryanair makes seven million a year, you know, just on these little extras, just on just by charging these little extras. So when you go into Ryanair, you see a cheap flight, but then you have to pay extra for so many things, like reserving a seat from three pounds. Now, if you want a good seat, it could be twenty, thirty pounds. On EasyJet, I booked a flight recently; it was thirty pounds to get a seat with extra legroom and speedy boarding. Priority boarding with Ryanair, five to fourteen pounds. Check-in bags. I mean. They charge 10 to 17 pounds for a 10 kilo check-in bag and a 20 kilo bag costs from 25 to 35 pounds just to check in a bag. And then they complain about people bringing in luggage on the flight and you know, all fighting for storage space to get their luggage in and squeezing luggage in and the, the staff looking stressed. Well, if they didn't charge to, to check the bags in so much anyway, maybe more people would check their bags in. Uh, but that's what it is. I suppose it costs them money to load the bags. So they look at every penny, don't they? They've really dissected it down to every penny. Replacement boarding card, £20. A name change fee, £115. I mean, sometimes it's best to abandon the flight than, than change the name, like a flight change fee, 35 to £65. Sometimes it's cheaper just to abandon the flight. You know, they won't give you any extras. impossible to get through to them. So, I mean, much as we may dislike Ryanair and EasyJet, well, I don't dislike EasyJet. I, I think Ryanair, I find their site difficult to use. Um, there's all these extras you have to, uh, to just to, to not have insurance. It's a hassle to find how you uncheck the insurance and then answer, answering you do. If you don't have insurance, you're at risk. It's really pushing you into buying things uh, almost by implied consent, uh, not selecting it, but deselecting the insurance option. Um, but you know, these airlines have brought down the cost of uh, flying and they've certainly taken the monopoly away from the, the big carriers where, you know, if you wanted to fly to Ireland, you had British Airways and Aer Lingus. And, you know, in the in the 70s, I think my very first flight, 1977, 78, something like that, as a child, a very first flight, I, I believe that cost £140 just to fly from London to Dublin. Well, you know, all right, it's a return flight, but that's a long time ago. And, uh, 
Now you, you can often fly there for £20 one way. Uh, it, it, and it's crazy that the prices, when the two airlines had that monopoly, of course, that monopoly is broken. And you've got these airlines now offering direct flights, scheduled airline flights uh, all over the all over Europe and, and sometimes all over the world. It has brought the prices down. So they make their money by adding on these little extra top ups. And, and EasyJet, I remember, was the first airline that I'd used to book a flight online. And I was amazed how easy it was compared to, say, the British Airways uh, website at that time. The, the EasyJet was was so well designed. So these extras, think about that in your business. You know, can you make a bit more money by having upsells and little extras? Um, you know, when, when my son was a student, he was a manager at uh, Domino's Pizza. And uh, he, he worked there for a couple of years on the weekends. And he, he said that every time they sold a topping of 30 or 40 or 50 pence, just little extra toppings or, or, or the, the, these extras that go on pizzas, it, it could you know, increase their profits by 30, 40% on, on that pizza just by adding those little extras. So you may think that why Ryanair messing around with £3 for this and £5 for that, but it makes a difference. It makes a difference to the profit because they're covered on the bottom line uh, with, with the basic price, but every extra is just pure profit. So think about that in your business when you're making an offering. Think about having a good deal, but then offering little extras that can, can that can make you money because Ryanair uh, and, and EasyJet seem to have mastered this, and they do make they do make profits. They've had trouble this year because of the Boeing situation and these planes, uh, but in general they've been a very profitable airline and they seem to know how to make money. So so there you go. That's it. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks thanks for people tuning in there. Hi to everyone on on Facebook Live. Thank you very much. And I, I, I'm off to a seminar this week. Uh, my, my sort of monthly mastermind group where I'll be looking into more ways of buying property with no money down. That is uh, using creative strategies, lease options, rent to rent strategies and um, delayed completions to make money without uh, using my own money. Because the biggest dilemma for property investors is raising deposits. It's paying stamp duty because, you know, if you complete on a property today and sell it tomorrow, you're going to be hit with massive stamp duty and, and as well as capital gains tax if you sell it tomorrow at a profit. But you don't need to do that. There are ways of, of, of buying and selling a property without completing and without paying that, that stamp duty uh, by completing. So you can learn all these strategies. If you're interested in these things, then do drop me a line, charles at charleskelly.net uh, or just, just send me a, a messenger message on Facebook Messenger or whatever, or check out my website, moneytipsdaily.com, uh, and learn how to, to buy things without using your own money. Because very wealthy people like Rockefeller, for instance, who was uh, possibly the richest man of all time when you, you, you build in inflation, um, he controlled the oil refinery uh, market and in, in America. And he said something along the lines of, you know, you don't need to own things, you just need to control them. And, and, and that's often very true in property. Uh, you, you don't build in managers, for instance, if you own a building and, and you sell off these long leases, you sold off the flats, but you're still in control of them. Uh, it, and it, Duke of Westminster, he sells off all his properties, but he's still in control because the leases eventually come back to them and they control the area through their, their leases. So there's lots of ways of owning property, controlling property, making money from property, 
income from property, becoming financially free, even if you have no money of your own, because everyone thinks we to get into property, you have to have money. You have to have loads of money. People say money goes to money. Only people with money can make money. It's just not true, because if that were the case, poor people would never become rich. And, and most millionaires are self-made people. They're, they don't just come with the silver spoonball in their mouth. So, so do get in touch if you're interested in learning these strategies, charles at charleskelly.net or, of course, on, on Facebook Messenger. So thanks for listening. This is Charles Kelly, bringing you money tips to help you save, earn, invest, accumulate and enjoy more money. Thank you for listening to Money Tips. For more tips and information, visit moneytipsdaily.com. The information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice. As always, take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions. 